Good morning, everyone. Morning, I'm Jeff, and great to be with you this morning. We had three baptisms on Thursday, and so I want to show you their photos uh, and testimonies as well, so you get to celebrate with them. Thanks, Aaron. So uh, first up on the screen, you'll see Lynn. Um, Lynn and Jeff are part of our church community, uh, and, it, and she was baptized on Sunday. Here's what she said about her baptism. She said, through the ups and downs of life, and I've had faith in Jesus, and my baptism today is a symbol of my re-surrender to him like we sang together before. We've been talking about doing this as a family, and it's so very special to be baptized alongside Martin and Natasha. Now, Martin's the next photo. Martin is Lynn's son. He lives down near Mackay. But as Lynn said, they've been planning for a while to do this together. And he said, my baptism today is a fresh start with Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. And then finally, you'll see Natasha on the screen. Natasha is Martin's wife, and we cheekily put her married name, her married last name on her baptism certificate on Thursday, even though they only got married on Saturday, yesterday, last night. So that's a pretty cool week for them. She said, my baptism is a dying to my old life and being reborn in new life. I'm particularly excited to be baptized today before my wedding on Saturday. Would you clap and encourage the three of them? really exciting. We, as, uh, as Lynn said in her testimony, we'd planned for a while for the three of them to be baptized at the same time and it just so happened that it worked out to be just a couple of days before the wedding, which is really cool. Baptism for each of us is a physical symbol of a spiritual reality. Your baptism is a sign that Jesus is at work in your life and you're declaring that he is God and you're identifying with his death and resurrection. But baptism is also a physical symbol of Jesus at work in the church. It's a symbol of what he asked us as the church to do. Baptisms are a sign that he's at work in the world, that he's building his church, and that we're doing our part in participating with him. And we know this because Jesus' final words to his disciples recorded in Matthew's gospel were, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So this means that baptism and following Jesus is not just an individual thing that each of us decides to do. Upon our baptism, upon our decision to commit our lives to Jesus and follow him, we become part of the community that our work then becomes introducing other people to Jesus, inviting them into identifying with his death and resurrection, into their baptism and into new life with him. It's, it's my calling as a follower of Jesus to introduce others to him. It's your calling, if you're a follower of Jesus, to introduce others to him. But it's not just an individual pursuit. We do it together. It's our calling as the church to do this. And this is why our mission statement, our statement of purpose as a church, is to love people and invite them to join us in a growing relationship with Jesus. Because for each of us, that's what we want for our lives. We want to be in growing relationships with him. We motivate, we encourage, we challenge, we help, we disciple, we team up each other so that each of us are growing in our faith and growing in that relationship with him. And for me, the recent NT90, the New Testament in 90 days that we read together, is a really good example of this. Now, many of us did the readings and read through the New Testament in those 90 days and discussed it and shared it along the way. So whether that was in the app or whether that was in your small groups or whether that was one-on-one, journeying together through that reading 
about Jesus and his first followers. But then even if you weren't doing the readings, you had that connection point, that touch point every Sunday, because the messages were based on what we were all reading on that day. And so we were all kind of connected in that way. Now, last Sunday afternoon, as part of the the Easter celebrations and to finish the NT90, a few of us got together just to debrief and share what our experience was like. And we talked about having a deeper and greater understanding of who Jesus is. We talked about being challenged and encouraged by what we'd read. And we celebrated our growing relationship with Jesus. Now, in this case, it came through reading and understanding more about him and about his first followers. But a real growing relationship with Jesus is a lot more than just reading and understanding certain things. It's about everyday practical life, our decisions, our lifestyle, our conversations, our prayer, our worship, our obedience to him and being his hands and feet in the world. That's what it means to have a growing relationship with Jesus. And this is who we are as the Lakes Church. We're a group of people, we're a community of people in a growing relationship with Jesus, each of us and us together, who are trying to love people and invite them to join us in that growing relationship. Now, recently we did a church survey just to try and get a big picture of who we are as the Lakes Church and understand and listen, because the last two years have changed our church a lot. It's been three years since we did a survey, and I'll talk about a little bit of comparison from last survey to this year. But, um, but the purpose was for our staff and our pastoral leaders to listen and understand. And so we've spent time reading through this and praying through this and talking through what do these survey results mean. And I'm going to talk about just a few of the things from the survey today. We'll keep using it to make decisions and to plan for the future and to understand. But if you would like to see all of the results from the survey, you can. At the info desk this morning, there's copies of it there, and I'll send it out in an email this week so you can see all of it, the good, the bad, and the confusing in the survey. But first up on the screen, you'll see, before we even did the survey, we knew there were 545 people who call our church home. Now, That isn't just a number. We know all of the names and all of the faces of those 545 people who call our church home. Now, that might be really surprising to you because when you come to church, you only see a couple of hundred people around you. And when you watch online, you only see eight heads, some faces and a few backs of heads when you watch online. So it might be surprising that there's that many people who are part of our church. But it also might surprise you because you've been here a little while and you know a whole bunch of people left in the last few years. There seems like this mass migration down south, you know, Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, lots of people even to New Zealand from our church. You also know that there are others in the last few years that have left our church and joined other churches in Cairns. And there's people who have drifted away from our church and haven't connected with any church community. Each of those departures are painful for our church family. You, you and I grieve the loss of our friends, and, and especially if they've left unhappy or disappointed. And yet, as you can see from the number that represents all the faces and names, there are still many, many people who are part of our church family, and we're meeting new people and seeing new faces each week that we invite to join us in a growing relationship with Jesus. From the survey... And also from some other information that you've shared with us, we also know the age groups in our church. And so our two biggest demographics are kids aged under 12 and adults aged between 36 and 50. 
And if you combine, just to jump back to the under 12s, if you combine the under 12s and the 12 to 17, so under 18-year-olds, that makes up 35% of our church community, which is pretty exciting and encouraging, except for the humongous drop-off to the next age group, the 18 to 25s, the school leavers. Now, what isn't represented on the screen is when you look back and compare this to 2019. And when you do that, you find that every age demographic has scaled down a little bit, all of the age categories, until you get to the over 65s, which has captured all of the others, which means that in the last few years, we've aged as a church, which is totally fine. We're not ageist here. We love all people as part of our church. And if you're in the over 65 category, we love you and we need you as part of our church community. And it means that in the next few years, we might need to do some things to reach out to and to do ministry with some of the younger age groups. I'm going to come back to this before the end. Now, from the survey, we know how long you have been part of our church community. And again, despite saying goodbye to some loved church members over the last two years, we have matured and we've stabilized as a church. So if you look back to 2019, the, the numbers that have changed, you'll see the biggest drop, and it's quite, it's like 18% drop in people who were here um, less than a year in 2019. Now, we didn't, we didn't uh, have that number on the screen. We've kind of captured zero to three. But just that stat, those who were here less than a year in 2019, a whole bunch of them didn't get connected enough to hang around through the pandemic, which makes a lot of sense. But still, as you look at those numbers, you'll see the biggest increases in those who were here four to nine years which means there's a whole bunch of you who really pressed in during the pandemic, who found new ways to be the church and to stay connected with each other over the last few years. And this pie chart, to me, is good. It represents some really good things that we have mature stability in our church, combined with those who have pressed in to grow together with us in the last several years, and those, some of you here this morning for the very first time, who are just beginning your journey with our church. There's some really encouraging balance here. So thank you to those of you who did the pressing in, who did the hard work of church community over the last few years. And I trust not only is it good for our whole church, but it's been good and beneficial for you as well. You know, because the last couple of years has been tough. It's been tough for many of you. It's been tough for our church. And I spend a fair bit of time listening to pastors online, podcasts and stuff, and I know lots of pastors from around Australia as well. And unfortunately, our story is not unique. The things that we're experiencing, both the challenges and the opportunities, are quite common around Australia and around the world. So these are just a few stats to kind of show a big picture of the state of our church, who we are. These are the people that God has called together to be the Lakes Church. And our role now is to keep going. Each of us in a growing relationship with Jesus and together to keep loving people and inviting people to join us. And on that point, I want to share with you a verse from the Apostle John. Now, this is in his third letter, which is towards the end of the New Testament, but chronologically, like time-wise, this may have been one of the very last things written that we have captured and collected in our New Testament. John was an old man by this point, probably one of the last of the OGs still alive, the last of his generation. And he wrote this in his letter. This is 3 John verse 4. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, John didn't have any children. 
Not as far as we know, anyway. Never married, never had any kids. So he's not talking about his own biological children. He's talking about someone else. He's talking about his spiritual children. All of the people that he loved and all of the people that he invited to join him in a growing relationship with Jesus. They're his children. And he says, I have no greater joy. This is an insight into his heart, his devotion, his passion. I have no greater joy than all of those people that I've journeyed with in faith, that they are walking in the truth. Because, you know, they didn't have Facebook back then. They didn't even have MySpace back then. It was really just by letters, which would travel, you know, by donkey or by walking. It took ages to hear the news. And so very occasionally when he heard news of the people that he had left behind in cities as he moved around, the thing that gave him the most joy was that other people were walking in the truth. And, and that's a great phrase. Because being a follower of Jesus is not, is not really about believing the right things. There, there's a part of that. It's not really about thinking the right thoughts, even though there's a part of that. It's really about walking in the truth, walking with Jesus in all of your life. And that's what really got John going. That's why he lived. That's why he did ministry. That's why he was exiled all by himself to an island because he kept doing that and the government hated it. And And I want this to be my hope and my prayer and my greatest joy as well. That my children, my own children, would be walking in the truth. And I've only got four of my kids here and I'm not that old compared to some of you as you saw from the demographics. You're not my kids. But spiritually, as a pastor of our church, that I would have no greater joy than each of you are walking in the truth as well. And... And not just you, but that many others who are yet to come would be walking in the truth. It's it's easy, but still challenging to think about this for ourselves. Like, how can I do this? How can I help others walk in the truth? How can I invite others into a growing relationship with Jesus? It's hard, but it's kind of easy to think about. But, But what is more challenging and really difficult to do is how do we do this as a church? How can our church help others walk in the truth? How can we work together to do this? And maybe a question that might help you do that is to think about the question for yourself, what kind of church did I receive? So when you first came to faith in Jesus, whatever age you were, what kind of church came along with that personal faith? What church did you receive? You know, was it a loving community? Was it a helpful place to grow, a place to serve? Was it harsh and judgmental? Was it large or was it small? Was it chaotic and dysfunctional or was it well-organized? What kind of church community did you receive? Now, when it comes to our church, the Lakes Church, I can say that almost 10 years ago, I received a great church when I arrived as an associate pastor. Then I stepped into the lead role seven years ago. And as I have often said, the Lakes Church was a great church when I joined. I'm just trying not to wreck it. (laughs) But one of the things I first noticed when I joined was how many older people were in the church still serving. Older people who had given and served in some really significant ways over many, many years and were still here 
and still serving, but not clinging to control, as so often happens with human beings. Not clinging to control when things change, but serving open-handedly. It was so striking to me compared to communities I've been part of before. Such low political drama in our church. And even when there were inevitable disagreements, I'm going to tell you about one in just a moment, there was this commitment to Jesus and this commitment to each other that helped us work through those challenges and those disagreements. So some of you know Ken Makarath. Ken is not on screen today, but I tell you this story because I visited him in the hospital the other day and we reminisced and laughed about this story. Now, Ken volunteered and served to look after our gardens for years and years um, and did a wonderful job with that. Now, I arrived, you know, new kid on the block, and, and just a few months after arriving, just out there alongside the hall, he and I had a doozy of an argument like a big falling out. He was really, really cranky and I was sticking to my guns and we were at each other and it was not good and neither of us were backing down until finally I said, all right, well, we're not going to resolve this today. I've, I've got stuff to do and I walked away. And then I realised that I'd locked myself out of the office. <laughs> no keys, no phone, no wallet, no nothing. And it was about an hour until anyone else would come who had the keys to let me in. So I reluctantly wandered back around the building and sat down in the undercover area. And a few minutes later, he came marching along and he saw me and he goes, what are you still doing here? I'm like, oh, I locked myself out. He goes, oh, come on then, let's go for Smoko. It's my shout. And so Ken drove and we went to the Cairns Botanic Gardens Cafe and he bought me morning tea and we have been mates ever since. But an amazing conversation. (laughs) I'm grateful for the church community I received. The depth of relationship and the community here existed not just for those who were already here, but for those who were yet to come. Now, physically, many of you couldn't ever imagine there not being an undercover area just through those doors. Now, if you look at that, uh, that screen in the top right, that's the church building from the front. You know, imagine that being built a long time ago. And then the one underneath that is the hall, kind of a photo of the hall before there was an undercover area. It's only about 12 years ago that that undercover area went up. And, and now you just can't even imagine there not being that space there for us to gather and to, u- to use and to enjoy. Before that, there was just a car park and a couple of shade sales. But the church community at the time gave of their, sacrificially gave of their money and their time and their skills for the benefit of those who were yet to come. So today we take it for granted, but once upon a time, 12 years ago, it began as the devotion to make our church a better place, not just for us, but for those who were yet to come. Now, in, in my time, there was no playground when I arrived. Now you can see the beginnings of the playground in that photo on the top left. But before that, there was just like this, this kind of half grassy uh, triangle that sloped down. So it's pretty much useless for most things outside of the hall. And there was more car parks out there. And there was this old fence. And I played a really, really, like I can't, I can't, I can't underestimate the small part that I played in there now being a playground there. But people like Ray and Lucy Wearmouth, who are here today, and an army of volunteers and loads more people giving of their time and their skill and their energy made it possible for there to be a playground. 
And the kids and the adults and all of us loved it in May 2017 when it opened for the very first time. But we didn't just build it for them. We didn't just build it for us. We built it for all of you who have arrived since. And we built it for everyone who hasn't yet come and encountered Jesus as part of our church community yet. And, you know, they didn't way back then and, and we didn't a little bit more recently. And even now today, we're not ever sitting around with this abundance of time. Oh, so much time, so much money that we have. How, how could we make this church a better place with all of our time and our money? And, and we just dream up these ideas. It always only ever comes with faith, with risk, with prayer and with work. And I could talk to you about the lady who gave an entire house for our church to meet in many years ago. And I could talk about Carol Duncan, who served on the board for years and years and years faithfully and is still part of our church. And I could talk about the previous senior pastors of our church, and I know them each personally, all the way back to 1988 when I was only three years old. I know Bruce, and I know Bruce, and I know Phil, and the spiritual legacy and spiritual life that they fostered here as part of our church. And I could talk about dozens and dozens of people that are still part of our church community that are here in the room now. And even more who have since moved on from our church or moved on from Cairns or who have passed away who left for us a better church than the one that they received. And I'm so grateful for the church that I received, the church you wanted nothing greater than for you and I to be walking in the truth. So the better question today is not really what kind of church did you receive, but what kind of church do you want to leave behind? What kind of church do you want to give to the next generation? Because one day you and I will leave the Lakes Church. And it's my hope and my prayer that none of us ever leave upset and angry and just are gone with broken relationships. But one day we won't be here. Even if it's the fact that we die as part of our church community, there will come a day when we hand over to others. We will not be here forever. This is not my church. This is not your church. We're here temporarily. What kind of church do we want it to be when we hand it over? The church is only as strong. It's only as good. It's only as devoted to Jesus as the makeup of all of its people. And we each play a part. So let me, let me press in a little closer to home. Like rather than just thinking about the whole church, I'd love for you to think about your family, particularly if you have kids of, of any age. But even if you don't, think about, about your extended family or your, your network of friends. If you died today, what kind of example of church community would you have left for them? You know, what, what value has church community played in your life and what would you be handing over? You know, I, I talked to a mate of mine who's, who's not part of our church, he's not in Cairns, and, uh, and, and it's their family, they're not, really not sure what to do about church, not going to church at the moment. And he said, oh, it's really great, we've got all this extra time with the kids. And there are some good things about that and there are some seasons when that's right for a family. But my question for him is, what legacy of church community are you leaving? Because I know the church that he received. But what kind of church is he going to leave for those who are yet to come? And if church is valuable in your life, what decisions demonstrate that 
to the people around you. And if church isn't valuable in your life, what can you do to make it better for the next generation and for those who are to come? Because whether we're thinking about our own lives and our own kids, or whether we're thinking about the next generation and other people's kids, or about our grandkids or great-grandkids, or whether we're thinking about people who are alive right now and all grown up and all around us in Cairns and around Australia who are yet to receive an invitation to join us in a growing relationship with Jesus, what kind of church are we giving them? And, and what can you and I do today to leave behind a healthier model of church engagement? a stronger faith in Jesus for those who are to come. To say, to be able to say, when it comes to us together as the Lakes Church, we have no greater joy. No greater joy. There's nothing better than to know that our children, other people, are walking in the truth. Are you prepared to make the Lakes Church better today for others tomorrow? I know some of you would be prepared to make it better today for you today, better today for you tomorrow, but would you be prepared to make the Lakes Church better today for others tomorrow? Now, I want to get really practical about one way that I believe that we can leave behind a better church than the one we received and a better church than the one that we have right now, and that's to launch a night service. And here's why. We know that there are lots of people that we're not able to reach with this morning time slot, especially youth and young adults. And we talked about those numbers and those statistics before. If you think about an 18-year-old that you know who has left Cairns to go to university in Brisbane and has looked for a church in Brisbane in their new home, how many of them have been looking for a church with a morning service that they can engage with? I'll tell you, the number is zero. They're all looking for a night service. And so when we think about our own youth and young adults that are already part of our church, or if we're thinking about all of their friends that they would love to be able to invite to join them in a growing relationship with Jesus, or we think about the young adults that will move to Cairns for uni and for school, if we don't have a night service, then we're going to be really limited in how we're able to minister to them and see them walking in the truth. But it's, it's not just young people. You know, our survey results showed that all ages are interested in a night service. And so we know that some of you work on Sundays and you're not always able to make it. Some of you might be watching online later because you're working right now as I'm speaking, but you still wanted to connect with your church community. We know that there are people who have other commitments on the Sunday and they can't make it. And our hope is that if we have a night service, all of those people will be able to engage with church community, even if they can't make it in the morning. So again, from the survey, let me share a couple of numbers with you. One of our questions was to try and figure out, is, there, is this going to be a possibility? So we asked, would it be worth launching a night service? And you said, maybe, which was helpful. If we had one morning service and one night service, 53% of you would only ever come in the morning. And then 11% of you would only come at night. And then there's 36% in the middle who would be open to either. And then we asked you, okay, what time should a night service start? And you said, yes. A night service should start at a specific time, which is very helpful. And most of you said somewhere between 5 and 6 p.m. And then we also asked specifically about Lakes Kids, trying to figure out if we should begin, if we have a night service, with a full Lakes Kids program or try something different. 
And obviously it doesn't affect all of you. you. You probably have your opinion, even if you don't have your own kids, but it affects each of you differently. But even among those with young kids at home, there was quite a variety of input and opinion or interest in a night service. There was mixed results. So like all surveys, the results were not 100%, and that is what we expected, that there wouldn't be 100%. But as we've listened and as we've discussed and as we've prayed, here's where we've landed, that as a church, we are going to launch a night service on Sunday, the 15th of May. Three weeks, three weeks away. And one more key reason is that we believe a night service will help create some space in our morning service for those who are yet to come. Now, there's some spare seats around today, but if you were here last Sunday, if any of you walked in after the service had started, the immediate feeling that you get is there is not room for me here. Now, we all know that there was two rows right up the front here that were completely empty for any of you to come and sit in, but that's not the point, especially if you've never been here before. If you walk in for the very first time and, and you see a, a sea of, of heads facing, you know, the the back of them facing you as you walk in through the doors. It feels like there is no room for me here. And that's the last thing that we want for your friend to feel when you invite them to come and join you in a growing relationship with Jesus. And they walk in through the doors and go, oh, I don't think there's room for me here. There's probably enough people here. I I don't think I need to be here. And so we believe that a night service will help create room in the morning service so that we can keep reaching more people. So the idea is, Rather than the old way of two services at 8.30 and 10.30 in the morning, we will still have two services or we'll have two services again, one at 9.30 and one at 5.30. And the message will be the same, same preacher, same message in both services. So we're not trying to get you to come to church more often. It's not that old way of, oh, this is just for the youth, but if you oldies want to, you could come and enjoy it too and different message and, you know, beanbags. That's not the idea. The idea is that you could come to either service And you will have the same rich community experience of church and the same kind of spiritual input and worship that you would have whether you came morning or night. Now, um, the songs initially will probably also be the same, but the music teams will be different. And other volunteer roles will be different because we don't expect that all of you are going to come twice and serve both times. But we're going to keep trying to figure this out as we go along. Now, Lake, just to get into a little bit more detail, Lakes Kids was more of a difficult decision because it affects each of you so differently. And so we know that there was no easy solution to try and figure out with the volunteers that we have available and the families and what they've said so far to figure out what to do in morning and night. So here's where we've landed and here's how we're starting. That if you as a family would like your kids to have the full Lakes Kids program, check them in, in the hall, and then check them out at the end of the service, that we will continue to have that in our 9.30 service. And then at our 5.30 service, if you want your kids to worship with you, then come and we'll do that all together and we'll have some activity tables in the back of the room. So whether it's during the whole service or whether it's during the message, they can go or you can go with them and, and interact around those activity tables during the service or during the message. So with this and, and with everything about all of our services, there's this constant review constant asking God and constant discussing with each other, is this helping us live in growing relationship with Jesus? Is this helping us love people? Is there room and space and opportunity and passion to invite others to come and join us? Are we walking in the truth? Are others, are our children, are others walking in the truth? Or should we do something different? Should we change it up? And that's what we're going to keep asking and figuring out, particularly as we begin something new. 
Now, one, one more important detail before I move on is that this is an experiment. Nobody knows if it's going to work. It's a trial. But what we want to do is commit to starting and commit to a night service for at least a year to give it a go and give it a crack. Because we'll know in the first few weeks kind of how it's going and how it feels, but it'll take quite a few months for, for you, for our night, new night service congregation, to feel settled and for teams to start working well together and all of that kind of thing. So we're saying, hey, let's go for a year. Let's risk. Let's have dependence on God. Let's pray. Let's have faith. But let's give it a red hot crack and see what God can do. So from Sunday 15th of May, we're launching a night service at 5.30 p.m. There's no perfect time of day, but we hope that 5.30 is late enough that you've finished work, but early enough that it's not so late that you're going to be tired the next day for work or uni or school. We hope that it's late enough that your plans for the day have kind of wound up and you're free and ready to come to church, but early enough so that you can still hang out and enjoy each other's company after church, here over coffee or go out for dinner with friends. But my question for you as I start to wrap up, I'm almost done, is are you prepared to help make the Lakes Church better today for others tomorrow? Because our intention is that those who are yet to come will walk in the truth with us. We're about loving all people no matter what and we're about inviting them to come and join us in that vital growing relationship with Jesus. And we believe that a night service is a practical expression of that being able to happen. But it's not going to happen by magic. It's not going to happen by good wishes. It is going to happen by prayer and by faith, but it's also going to happen by risk and by sacrifice. Making our church better today for others tomorrow will take work. And so now is the time to put your hand up to serve on a team specifically for this new night service from May 15. And as always, anytime we ask you to take a next step, the easiest way to start the ball rolling is to just text, in this case, the word team to that number on the screen. And that just puts the next step back in your hands because you'll get a link to the web form that you see there on the screen that you can fill out and, and tell us more about yourself, what you're interested in and what you're thinking. And that just continues the conversation. Now, we're a community of people, so you can approach someone and have the conversation, absolutely. But if you want to act on this today in taking the first step, just grab your phone now and just text TEAM to that number. And I know that I'm talking to quite a few different people this morning, and some of you love new things. Me, not so much. I like, I like things to just continue on, but some of you like, ooh, something new. I'm very excited, and we would love to have, have you help us pioneer this new night service. There are others of you who are already serving in the morning, but you're like, oh, the morning's so boring. I want to join the new thing and serve at night. Or you realize it's just going to be better for you or for your family or for you to invite your friends. And so you want to shift. And so you can just let your team leader know. And some of you have already done that. But that is creating some gaps in our morning service. And so there are others who will go, hey, I'll let the new people do the new thing. But I'm here to, to make sure that the morning service can keep going. And you might text today. Then there are others of you who step back from serving during COVID, during the pandemic, for really good reasons. And now might be the time that you're ready to re-engage and step back in. And many, many of you are already serving. 
You've already been in touch with your team leaders. And I thank you so much for joining with us in making our church, making our church services, making the mission of our church possible. So if you're ready to take a step today, go for it. Just text team to that number on the screen and you'll get the auto reply, which has a link to that form. And have a conversation, chat to someone at the info desk this morning. There's lots of other ways, but you could text right now. And if you're inspired and excited by these plans, but you're already committed to serving and you're happy, or you, you have other reasons why you're not and you're okay, but you would like to give to make this possible, just change the word team to the word give, and you'll get a different auto reply with different information to take a step. Now, uh, it was about a month ago or something I shared about our church being in a difficult financial situation. Now, I do not want anyone to be coerced into giving, but I do want to coerce you into praying about giving. And we know already that there's been a response that people have been praying and asking God, hey, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to be giving? And a number of you have been doing that. So thank you so much. If you've already done that and you're sweet, then just continue on your merry way. But if you haven't yet prayed, let me coerce you into praying and then just see what God says about your giving and you respond to him. I don't, I don't need to know anything about that. But I just want to put that out as an option as well. It's not just about serving, but by giving, you can make the mission of our church possible. So our night service launches in three weeks' time on Sunday, 15th of May at 5.30pm and we'll continue every Sunday from then on. So the Apostle John wrote that he has no greater joy than that his children are walking in the truth. I wonder if there's someone in your life. You know, John used the word children, but we know that wasn't about his kids. I wonder if there's someone in your life of any age that you think to yourself, oh man, imagine Imagine if that person was walking in the truth. How good would that be? And maybe God is giving you some of his love and some of his passion for that person. You just close your eyes right now and picture them and imagine them in your head. Man, I would have no greater joy right now than that that person would accept an invitation into a growing relationship with Jesus. Man, that would change their life, but that would change my life. I would have no greater joy than for that. That's what God's called us to as a church. For us to grow, but not just us. To make the church better today for others tomorrow. So would you join me as we pray, and then we're going to sing together and close our service. Jesus, I thank you so much that even when there were lots of other people all sweet in their faith with you, that you still cared about us who weren't. When we were yet to be born, you were inspiring the church and inspiring Christians to be ready for us to come into the world and to come to faith. When we were still stuck, floundering, dead in sin and in bad decisions and away from you and just pointless in life, that you were already working with the church and with your people to be ready for us as we came back to you. So today I ask that you do it again. Do it again with us who are already here, already engaged, already committed. Would you help us be ready for those who are yet to come? And we've got an idea of who we want that person to be, who we want those people to be. And so we pray specifically for them, Lord, the person on our heart, the image in our head, the face and the name that we have in mind. Lord, 
the joy that we would feel on the day they begin walking in the truth is nothing compared to the joy that you would feel. And so we ask that you would do what only you can do and that you'd lead us to play our part. In our whole church, in our night service and right down to that one-on-one individual level. In Jesus' name.